podcast audience. Welcome to the Field Podcast. I am here this week with the Christensen sisters, mom, family all together. I know this family from our time in Spokane. Um, we were there for nine years. Um, we also have three daughters. So lots of similar dynamics there. Um, Mom, Eileen, and Dad, Jeff, and Brady, and Melissa, me, my husband, Marie, we're all cougars um, and have a lot of the same friends. Um, our very good friend, Pickles, a.k.a. Mike Connell, um, is also a good friend of Jeff's. Um, we're friend the Ellingsons. We all kind of have these similar family connections, all bleed a lot of crimson and gray. Um, and then our daughters are similar ages. So Taylor who is the middle daughter in the Christensen family and our oldest daughter, Sierra, were a year apart, but played a lot of volleyball, basketball together, went to high school together. Riley, the Christensen youngest, is between my middle daughter, Kylie, and my youngest daughter, Courtney. And then Ellie, who is their oldest, she was uh, the one that was a little older than the other girl. She was the one that was coming home from college and coming home from being a grown up. And we get to see these little shots of Ellie every so often. And then, um, but Eileen and I spent a lot of time in different bleachers together throughout the years watching um, Taylor and Sierra play ball. But we, we've had a lot of these similar groups and, and circles that we run in. We moved away from Spokane in 2014, but I've continued to follow Eileen and I really found over the last couple of years that she was one of those people that I felt like, oh my gosh, somebody is thinking the same way I am. I am not crazy. <laughs> oh, thank you for saying that. I feel no. the same way about you. <laughs> I, I, you and Sean and her, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> two people in the world that I can actually relate to right now. Because yeah. full, full, you know, disclosure, I've come, I'm in a very different space than I was. When I lived in Spokane, I've lived across the country. I've had just different experiences. I was probably a lot, I'm a lot more aligned now, I would say, in that thinking than I was when I lived in Spokane. And and I commend you, Eileen, for still being there. I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think there's it's, a lot of it's challenges hard with, yeah. within that. But within yeah. that, that also brings up these conversations we're going to have today of emotional health and boundaries and maintaining those relationships and friendships with, with people that we love that maybe don't, you know, always see things the same way. So how do we do that in a healthy way for us and for them? And then you as sisters, how you grew up together as sisters, but then how you've navigated being adult sisters. And these sisters are doing all kinds of different things. I mean, youngest sister Riley decided to be a nurse and she started her nursing career at the beginning of COVID essentially. And so that's been something I can only imagine oldest, um, Sister and daughter Ellie is a teacher and she's gotten married a couple of years ago. So she's had a lot of transition. Taylor went to grad school at TCU and then came back and moved to Boise. Oh, there's just, there's a little horn frog sign. Oh, I know we've got, we've got one of those here at tech. It's the Wreckham gun thing. Oh, I, I'm like, I'm really uncomfortable with this whole gun thing. So I'll take your horn frogs over the gun, but that's a different, that's a whole other episode. Um, so just so they've had a lot going on. And then, you know, Eileen watching from afar, like, how do I navigate all of this, support my daughters, be there for them, but understand also, too, that they're women now. And so I can't fix and save everything. And, and that's hard as a mom. And I know that because it's hard for me. So we're going to talk about all those different um, pieces today in this discussion. I am going to start off now, though, before we launch into that, by introducing each of these lovely ladies by their character traits. So we're going to start with Eileen. She's the mom and head of the crew. She is consistent, loyal, fierce, funny, and practical. Ellie, 
The oldest daughter is independent, self-aware, compassionate, curious, and observant. Taylor, the middle daughter, is passionate, energized, outspoken, positive, and an includer. And I know you the best. And I loved, I looked at these. I'm like, oh yeah, those are so <laughs> Taylor. That's really cool. And then Riley is sensitive, kind, old soul, and thoughtful. And I think those sensitive and kind things are just automatic. Go with being a nurse. I don't think <laughs> you can have a heart to go into that line of work without those things. So um, re- really cool on that. And just LA being consistent, loyal, fierce, funny, and practical. All those things are necessary. Teachers have to wear so many hats. You kind of have to be all those things. So for more information on these wonderful guests, please see the show notes, the blog on our website, embracinglayers.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Embracing Layers. There will be more information about them on all of these spaces over the next couple of weeks. So check those out so you can learn more about them. All right, ladies, here we go. Thank you for being with me today. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. We are covering three time zones here. We've got the central time zone, the mountain time zone, the Pacific time zone. We are coming at you from all spaces on this Sunday afternoon. So we're going to start here with this one. How to prioritize self-care in your life and what that looks like for you. And we're going to do popcorn style. You just jump in. Well, I'll start just because um, this is important to me because there was many years that I didn't prioritize my self-care. As you know, as a mom, Uh, there was a lot of time that we were sitting observing all this activity that our kids were involved in. Yeah. And I had kind of a light bulb moment. And unfortunately, at the same time, the light bulb moment came on, I I was able to free up a little bit more time in my life because I had college age kids. But my mom got sick and to the point where she really couldn't um, just her lack of strength and um, having enough oomph and wherewithal to kind of beat this. She ended up passing away after a fall, after about a six month journey of trying to get stronger. And it was like, I, it was a light bulb moment. Me like, okay, I cannot allow that to happen. Not that it was a different time period for my mom. So there's no blame about her not doing that, but it just was kind of a catalyst for me to make some changes in my life. So I definitely work out three or four days a week. It can be a really active, hard class. It could be walking, um, things just to get me out in nature kind of really are good for my self care. So I firmly use that for my sanity nowadays. Yeah. Very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Riley, how do you find a space for this? Cause you're working nights right now. You poor thing. Good thing you're young. Yeah. I think this whole like concept of self care, self care is like kind of becoming like more, not like new, but more common and people are like recognizing the importance behind it. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel like it has to be these like, big things that you do. Um, it should just be something that like brings you rest. And I think just prioritizing like with my work schedule and how hard obviously these last like eight months have been, um, like resting for me, like without feeling guilty or without having like the connotation of like, Oh, if I like lay on the couch for a couple hours and like catch up on some like really crappy television that that isn't (laughs) like lazy that's like totally okay for me to do Mm -hmm. so I think taking that 
side of it, out of it has been like just really helpful for me and not having like the guilt behind just like having a full day of just like hanging out. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Cause it makes me feel better. Like on my days off. And then I'm like more rejuvenated. Like when I go back to work for my patients and yeah, such. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And you you want to be there. I mean, I think you made a really good point. Find that thing that works for you. I think sometimes we get stuck in these oh, I have to do the yoga or I have to run or I have to do, you know, I have to meditate or, and those things are, I, you do all those things, but find that thing that works for you, whether it's a walk in nature or gardening or whatever. I mean, some people don't want to be outside. Well, stick your head out in the sun because the vitamin D is good for you, but just find that thing that works, that feels good and don't feel guilty about it. Absolutely. And then I think Eileen too, I think something that our generation, I think we, I had this conversation with my, in my friend's podcast episode when I was recording the other day, our mom's generations didn't really have that concept or weren't mm-hmm. even given the permission, you know? And so I think our generation, I think we are realizing we're seeing the ramifications of that. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, we need to stop this. And we're catching it now. Whereas you all, you ladies in your twenties and getting close to 30, you know, you're realizing it now. No, we're going to go earlier even mm-hmm. than, you know, than mom did. So, all right. Ellie, teacher. I think, yeah, going off of what Riley said, I read somewhere, I think it was earlier this week actually, but this idea of like rest kind of being like a guilty pleasure kind of thing, but really mm-hmm. it's a necessity to be, you know, a functioning human. Yeah. Um, and also what Riley said, like little things, like I'm a very much an introverted person. So like mm-hmm. just being alone is mm-hmm. self-care for me. Sure. And it's kind of funny now, like my husband and I, he's working from home full time. And that started at the beginning of COVID. Um, but we were together in a one bedroom apartment for like the first year of COVID. Oh, and yes. I was teaching. And from like home. your marriage. Yeah. And oh, yeah, for our first year of marriage. So much. <laughs> we, it. we made it out alive. We're still together. Good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just like little things where I was like, okay, I just need to like separate myself from any type of like social interaction from anybody. Yeah. And like kind of communicating that with each other too was tough. But I mean, and now I'm back in the classroom. So I'm with people all day long, kids who need things from me all day long, but my husband's at home alone. So he comes, I come home, he wants to interact with me, but I'm like, no, I need like an hour to be away. (laughs) So, you know, just like little things like that. Yeah. That's a really interesting dynamic. And that I, I, I swear we could do a whole like mini series on that dynamic you talked about there. All of a sudden we're all home together all of a sudden we're in each other's space all the time when if our space wasn't designed for us to be home together in each other's no. space all the time and you're learning how and and you're in your first time of marriage you're learning how to communicate to your partner what your needs are in just normal things and then you throw that all in and it's like i love you you are awesome but oh my god if i don't get 5 minutes to myself we're just, this is not, this is going to be really bad. My head's going to blow. I mean, we just, and and it has nothing to do with you. It's just, so even just learning how to communicate that in normal circumstances and then throw in all those Mm -hmm. dynamics. And then, yeah, because I was on the flip side. My, my work stayed at home for 15 months. We just went back last June into the office. Brady was only home for three months, but we had a three month period where Kylie and Courtney were home. Kylie and I and Brady were all working from home. Courtney was the only one leaving the house to go to a coffee shop to work. Oh my God. (laughs) And we bought this house in Lubbock for everyone to come visit. 
not to come live and work yeah. out of. So uh, we all these spaces we had to create and we have the full gamut of people in our Courtney is our introvert and she needs her space. Kylie and I are more extroverts. Brady is he's a he's a he people think he's an extrovert. He's an introverted extrovert, yeah. <laughs> extroverted introvert. Extra, that's what he is. He's that when he has to be on for work, when he comes home, he doesn't want to be on. He doesn't just wants to go in his room and turn off the lights and turn on, watch a game or watch Netflix or something. So I, so yes, but that dynamic though, of just finding the ways to communicate of like, so that it doesn't get spicy because it got spicy in our house. (laughs) But also too, when you're learning that with each other. So, oh man, Ellie, hats off to you all. That is, that is very interesting. Taylor. Yes, I have a lot of thoughts on like the concept of self-care, but I think one thing we've probably all shared as sisters is this idea of like thinking like growing up, I thought of wellness because I think wellness and self-care kind of go hand in hand. But like when I was younger, I thought wellness was like physical activity. Mm -hmm. And so when I think of like myself growing up, like all of us participated in all the sports, you know, like every season of everything we were doing something movement wise. Yeah. and which I love and like, I'm so thankful for that. But I think I got into this mindset of like, unless someone was telling me to run lines or like do push-ups, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like I spent like after high school was a really sharp transition for me of like thinking about physical wellness differently. Mm-hmm. And it totally went to the back burner. And so then when I think of myself in like my college undergrad and grad school, I like swung the pendulum. Like when you think of the wellness wheel, like all these different things you can focus on, like I swung Mm -hmm. all the way to like spiritual wellness and like got really invested in like systems and structures of like Mm -hmm. faith-based practices, which was a gift. And I'm thankful for that time. But also I think I'm, I'm in a point in my life of kind of deconstructing some of those things as well. The back yeah, to the whole so, other conversation. You and Sierra can talk a lot about that. Yeah. And I think Sierra and I have similar like mindsets and perspective on those things, but yeah. a gift. But this time, I think post-COVID has forced me to think about holistic wellness mm-hmm. in its wholeness rather than these yeah. parts. Yeah. Um, and so like, unlike my sisters, I am an extrovert and I get my <laughs> energy from being around people and mm-hmm. When I, so that was one self-care for me. Like I was an open book. I processed my life with everyone. Yeah. And I'm now learning that I have a lot of, I don't want to say trauma, but like, I just have a lot of like beef with some things that I just, you know, like processing with groups of people. Which, sure. Yeah. And so now I'm looking at self-care as routine because when COVID shut the whole world down, like I was in this little house and I have found so much joy in Mm. pursuing deep, deep, deep relationships with a handful of people. Mm. And, um, it has been a gift to want to cook. It has been a gift to find an exhale, like an exhale and joy in moving my body, whether that was Mm. like for a long time, these high intensity workouts at orange theory. And now it's like, I I do cycling with Peloton and that has been a gift. And so it's like, I'm trying to look at self-care as the whole rather than swinging the pendulum one side to the other. And I think that's how I live my life. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm really excited about this thing right now. And then it's (laughs) this thing the next day. And that has been exhausting. And so I, I'm trying to just find my level ground in like wellness in every part of that 
that wheel, I guess you can look at it. So yeah, it's, it's been a battle and I, and I have not figured it out. <laughs> and, <laughs> We're at um, neither. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the beauty of like, yeah. you know, especially like my sisters and I, and my mom, like we have very different ways of looking at the world and like finding our fullness, enjoying things. And that yeah. is such a gift to be able to see how different we all are, mm-hmm. but move through the world in very different ways, but all get to, I guess, healthy outcomes, I guess. Sure. Cause it all, what you found those spaces that work for you Yeah, and, and you respect that of each other. Yeah. I understand that we, we've got a similar dynamic going on with ours too. Yeah. All right. This one it kind of feeds into something you talked about Taylor too, with the relationships, but um, confidently setting boundaries. I would tell you, I didn't really have a concept of boundaries until about a year and a half ago. I would just, I was just, I mean, just no idea. So the girls actually got a concept of that before I did. And when they first started communicating them to Brady and I, we were just like, what the hell does it mean? You don't want to talk about this right now. We're talking about this right now. And this whole, like, I don't have the bandwidth for this. I'm like, well, I do. I mean, so it was a little bit of a, of a battle for a while of, of finding our, our ground on that. But then all of a sudden, just through experiences, Brady and I went through, we're like about a year and a half ago, the light went off. And we're like, Oh, and I'm sure our three were like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> they finally caught up. Talk about your journeys with boundaries. I can start. I think, um, like a lot of things, COVID has become the kind of like, you go back, go back to, I'm like, Oh, at the beginning of COVID, this kind of all changed. Sure. Um, working from home as a teacher was very, very difficult at the probably halfway through the school year. I was still trying to figure out the boundaries. Like I am like teacher is a part of who I am. It's not like my whole identity Sure. and being able to turn that off and on every day while staying at home for like everything was very difficult for me. Um, and families that I interacted with had a hard time with that too. Like not having access to me at all times of the day. Um, so that was a big deal, like professionally. Um, but my husband is pretty good about setting boundaries. I've learned a lot Mm. from him. He's very much like it's my time. I'm going to decide who I give it to kind of person. Ooh, I like So that. yeah, he's taught me a lot about saying no, like you don't want to do it. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, you don't want to go to this thing with all these people. Don't go to the thing with all the people. So yeah, I think he's been super helpful and like dynamics with COVID and how people view COVID has been really difficult for us. Um, yeah. My husband has an autoimmune disease, so he's had to be oh, very man. careful yeah. during this time because any Super sort of sickness risk. yeah, can mm-hmm. kind of send him into his lair. So sure. um, navigating that with people in conversations, like being very adamant about like, no, we are not going places that this is happening. No, we cannot go places with these people. Um, if you're going to invite us, this is going to be ABC, you know, all that kind of yeah, stuff. We're so. going to have a mask on. Do not yep. hug me. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I've dealt with like people pleasing. So it's like hard for me to, you know, like I say to myself, I'm going to be very clear on my boundaries, <laughs> but you know, then you get to that person, that, like grandparents, aunts and uncles, all those yes. people. And you're like, Oh, you know, you kind of start to step back on what you were just saying. It is one thing to set the boundaries. Sierra made a funny statement. She goes, I am awesome at setting the boundaries. (laughs) I love setting boundaries. But boy, when you have to communicate it to a person who doesn't practice them, Mm-hmm. that then you're like, oh, then you get tested. You're like, okay, here we go. Especially when you're in that people pleasing. I don't want to disappoint yeah. anybody. This is my family. 
context, right. it gets really tricky. And we have to kind of mm-hmm. get rid of some of those, dispel those old myths of like, no, this is what's good for me and my mm-hmm. husband and what's healthy for us. And that has to be okay. And I have to release what they're going to feel about it because. Right. Yeah, that's. And I have to say, like, there have been difficult conversations, but, you know, everyone's, you know, they care about you deep down. Right. right? So right. I think most of the interactions we've had where we have to stick with those boundaries very consistently, you know, mm-hmm. we get good feedback, like, oh, we totally understand, you know? So I think that's also been helpful too. hearing good. people say, yes, thank you for holding your boundary. Like, yeah. You get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and sometimes it's so too, interesting that- as mothers, you know, we raise these kids to, you know, all the things that you think are so important, such as kindness and compassion and empathy, but setting boundaries is huge. And I never taught that. I never learned Me either. it myself. Me either. And I never, obviously, because I didn't learn it, didn't know how to teach it. I know. Because I'm terrible at setting boundaries. Um, it's funny, though. It's one thing I'm, in the work world, I feel like I'm so confident with setting boundaries. And I don't know if that's because I work part time and they kind of know that's my two days a week. So they don't have to. I don't really have to reach outside those little uncomfortable boundary zones because this is my little set schedule. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why I'm not good at it in other areas. I think it's the people <laughs> pleaser or I'm just not good at it. I, I would, it's so impressive to see my daughter verbalize that and be able to yeah, do that. Yeah. But yeah. I think I think one, I think you're a little hard on yourself. Maybe you didn't talk to us like the word boundaries, yeah. but like you displayed it in different ways, whether that was like a conversation with dad of like, no, or a person's not coming to dinner (laughs) or like conversations that you would have with grandma. Like we saw what boundaries look like, maybe not Mm. what that, like the word is, but we saw in different ways. Yeah. Good. That's good. Cause I think, man, I think that's often like more important than like saying, you know, like boundaries are important because like, I, I mean, being a teacher, like I could say things all day long, but if I'm not actively showing like mm-hmm. what my words are saying, like kids are going to pick up on that, you know, like, Absolutely. wait, this is not matching up, right? Yeah. Like she your, says this, but she's not doing this. Your actions are not lining up with that, what you're <laughs> yeah. telling me. So I think the showing is much more important. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Riley, how about you? I mean, in your work, especially there's got to be some space where you're just like, oh, okay, I, I cannot think or talk about taking care of anyone today. Yeah, there's been times where like I've come home and my I live with my boyfriend, Matt, and he's like complaining about like his legs aching. And I have just been like, bro. <laughs> like, and I have literally said like, I don't have, I don't have the capacity to care for that right now. And I apologize. Like I've me, I, my, my tank is full of that. So, um, but saying, I think we've all mentioned people pleaser that I for sure, hundred percent people pleaser. I get really anxious about like disappointing people, Mm. making people feel bad. So Mm. like saying no for me can be really, really difficult. And I'm still learning those boundaries of saying no to things that don't serve me because if it doesn't serve me, then saying no is totally fine. And I think that that's something that I'm coming into, Mm -hmm. um, but definitely haven't nailed yet. Yeah. I I think it's a lifelong practice. And I think as we go through different seasons that it's going to get tried in different ways, you might guys, you 
youngsters may get to a space where you get good at it. And then all of a sudden something changes. You take on a new partner or you have a child or, you know, you move or change a job or whatever. And all of a sudden they look different again and you've got to relearn. So it's okay. It's it's a journey. Um, And I think too, as women, I have not talked to one woman. I, you guys are my 18th episode. And, you know, so I've talked to however many people that is in some of them groups. I probably talked to 50 to 60 people at this point, every single woman, except for my friend, Joy Drake, Joy is the (laughs) only one. And she she just came out of the womb this way. She just came out of with, I don't give a damn (laughs) when she came out. And I'm like, Oh, I wish I would have had that. Um, and it, so I think a lot of it's culture. I mean, we are we are the caretakers. We are the tender. We are patriarchy has told us that this is how you are and this is how the world sees you and this is how you need to be in the world. And then mm-hmm. you add on to it professions where you're naturally taking care of people anyway. So I think it's really hard for us to to shed that and know where that line is. Obviously, caring and in, in taking care of people is a wonderful thing and, and, and something that we should all aspire to at a level, but not to the point where it's people pleasing and a healthy force. But I think, I think that's something that we are all kind of as women and girls brought up with that, that system. So I don't, you know, I, I haven't talked to anyone except for my friend, Joy, which was <laughs> like, I didn't really expect that. I was like, geez, we've all got this issue. We've, we've got to do something mm-hmm. about this. So mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you for your honesty and authenticity on all of that. All right. Let us talk about taking care of our emotional health as much as our physical health, because I think we have learned over time. I think, you know, especially when Eileen and I were growing up and even much until you got when you all were even kids, you went to the physical doctor for this. You went to the mental health doctor for this. And the emotions were somewhere in between, but nobody was talking to each other. There was no understanding of the dynamic and the connection to how unprocessed trauma and unprocessed emotions are going to hit you physically at some point if you don't work them out. And and so talk about how that is how you've seen that evidence in your life. Eileen, you talked about it with your mom and just not mm-hmm. having that self-care practice. But and I'm sure um in all your different you know, Taylor, you touched on this a little bit earlier, how just having some trauma about how things were worked out when you communicated in a certain way. And I think what happens sometimes is we we have an experience and the experience is over, but we don't always finish processing whatever came out of that experience. Mm-hmm. The emotion's strong. We just move on to the next thing. And then all of a sudden it's it's building up. It's got to go somewhere. It doesn't just, mm-hmm. you know, go away. It's got to go somewhere. So talk to talk to me about that and your practices and just awareness and journey with that. I can I can start. So I think just like a little context, one thing I really care about what people and maybe it's about how people view me of like Mm -hmm. having my ish together like if I'm in a position of leadership like I want people to think I'm the best so it's this weird dynamic of in situations and circumstance I've put myself in that like amp up and feed the fire of like me needing to have on like a perfect face Mm -hmm. and I also think or in like be really accessible for people and I think the church culture that I was in fed that. Mm -hmm. And I studied higher education in, in grad school. And that feeds that of like students always in leadership positions and that, you know, just being everyone, being every, well, you were Miss ASWSU. Yeah. You were in the front lines. I love that. Like, I love when people recognize those things, but it feeds this like unhealthy, like expectation that no one that is putting on myself, but I'm saying that 
I have to have it all together. Mm. And so even if I'm processing something like vulnerable or emotional, I'm never going to be fully frank about it because I have this, like everyone's watching me. And so even like, so even if I'm processing something hard, I have to get to a place where it's not hard anymore because Mm -hmm. I've processed it and like tied it with a bow. Mm -hmm. And so like, I, I like to say for a long time, like I was an open book, but in reality, there was this like depth that was kind of hidden from people because I didn't want people to see the parts that were not all figured out and fixed. Mm -hmm. And so thank God for therapy Uh (laughs) and counseling. Yep. So I, I finally realized, and I'm like, I'm naturally a happy person. Like I can get there. Like I'm positive girl, like optimistic, much like my dad, half glass full always. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when COVID happened, I'm alone. I was too much alone with my own thoughts. And it was the first time (laughs) that I like, wasn't busy enough to run from it. Yeah. And so I, sought out this amazing counselor who I adore. And it wasn't like I was processing these big things, but just over time of like words that have been spoken to me or, you know, that I was dealing with a lot of shame and Mm -hmm. just like lack of confidence in who I knew I was or wanted to be. But there was all these weird expectations that I thought people had of me, but they really didn't. So I think emotionally, I was not actually dealing with my emotions for a long time. And I have big emotions. Like I'm, I wouldn't describe myself as sensitive as much as I just have big emotions. I have big feelings and like, I feel things really big and deeply. Um, And so I, I think therapy and counseling for me, just to talk to someone that's not in my group of friends or in my, my church or, you know, in my family was super healthy for me because it was like, I, my eyes were open to, I don't have any expectations of you. You can do what you want. Like mm-hmm. walk in the world. Like you want to walk in the world. Like, yeah. A jaw to the floor. Like what? Yeah. And yeah. So there's this like, you know, I could go, I could have a whole podcast on how church culture perpetuates this narrative of like, mm-hmm. like yes. you can reach perfection. And if you're not, if, if what you you've learned and you've studied and you know who God is and like, you can get to this place because you know better. Mm-hmm. I'm like, everyone's lying. Everyone's lying. You can't get there. And yeah. so there's, but this weird pressure that it's like, I can't, I can't say what I'm really thinking because I know what's right. And so, yeah. Oh my gosh. This girl, my therapist, Amy, she's a total saint. And she, <laughs> and she just like gave me real practices outside of it's no surprise that me and my sisters have in my mom have a lot of different worldviews of how like we operate in our, in our faith or believe about the bigger world. Yeah. And so that was something even challenging for me of like, okay, my family doesn't even have like the same, like really belief structure that I do. And so I needed to talk to someone that didn't know anyone that I knew. (laughs) And this was that. And so I think everyone should go to counseling and I'm not yeah. actively seeking out that right now, but that like year of me just meeting with her bi-weekly yeah. was such a deep breath for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. will say like, not everyone has access to that. So I want to Absolutely. Like it's a privilege. That. Absolutely. Yes. It is a privilege and it yeah. is something that I think we have to do a much better job of. And I'm really trying to be focused on supporting those avenues that make that yeah. possible. And but so yeah, I th- thank you. For I that think out. like, but even just normalizing, because I think there's a lot of people that can have access that still will not seek it out because of the narrative of like, you need to be 
hurting to seek that There's out. There's something the wrong with you. Yeah. You, you had something all big happen to you. Yeah. Are. And so I think, yeah. yeah. And I, I think our world needs to get to a better place of where it's accessible to everyone. And there's some yeah. amazing, even like locally in Boise of programs that, you know, give access to people who normally wouldn't have access. But I do think for me, that was just a, a big gift was a counselor yeah. um, that I could see consistently. Yeah. Thank you for that. Just just watching my kids kind of navigate that, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's, it's not something that I was raised feeling comfortable to, I mean, I guess I never even thought about, wow, I should go see a counselor, Yeah, but actually seeing them verbalize, Hey, I really feel like I need to go talk to somebody was just like, Oh, I'm so proud of them Yes, because I just didn't ever seek that out. And there was many of times my kids could probably remember this whole taking care of your emotional health. When I started suffering from anxiety, and I know you can re- relate to that, Melissa, mm-hmm. and I, it felt like it was out of nowhere. I could not figure out why, yeah. but obviously there's, there's something in my past that was leading me to bottle this up and eventually it came out and it, my kids were of age where they remember it. My husband was just like, what is going on? Yeah. And I couldn't really verbalize why I was having this anxiety, but it's, it's enabled to me. It made me um, just so much more aware of the physical and the mental and emotional health, because that's kind of that same time period of life when my mom was sick and previous to that, my dad was sick. So I was like mm. a caregiver Yeah. Um, because there's two of us that live in Spokane. I have five siblings, Okay. but two of us are in Spokane. So it was during that time period where I had three small children, somewhat of a caregiver for my father had that Alzheimer's and he, he and my mom weren't together. Mm. And then after my dad passed away, then my mom become sick. Mm. So it was this constant caregiver, but also trying to work and take care of my children. And it, it came out, it came out and it was like, Oh my gosh, it's time to start addressing all those things that you're bottling down. And it, it's going to come out eventually. And it's enabled me to really understand if I get that feeling, I can, I can put it into words now before I was like, I don't know where this is coming from, but now I can kind of go, okay, I'm getting that feeling. Okay. Let's think about what's going on. It's making me feel this way. So it's so awesome to see my 20 some 30 year old daughter and 20 some year old daughters be able to verbalize that at such a young age in comparison to me. Well, yeah, I think you and I can both speak to that to like, thank God they won't hit this space where, because our bodies will tell us if we're, you know, we're at max up point. And I used to view that as, oh, my body's letting me down. And I'm learning to now view that as, no, my body is my friend. My body is helping me. My body is speaking to me and saying, we're at a cap point here. And I think also to Eileen, if we were to tell our parents because of the way they grew up that we needed therapy, they would have been like, oh my gosh, we failed or, oh my mm-hmm. God, or, or get defensive. Why do you Absolutely. think you need therapy? I mean, there was just this whole different stigma. And the first time I saw it, I grew up in a very volatile family scenario. First time I saw it out was at WSU when I was in college. And um, it was actually through the sports therapist when I was working with the volleyball team. And I was like, I didn't want to tell anybody that Mm. I was, you know, having to go to therapy because they were going to think I was crazy. I mean, it was very much still the dynamic, whereas I think we're normal. We're finally normalizing it and we're Mm. finally starting to have conversations and your all's generation, you know, uh, uh, is embracing that and like, 
let's have this conversation. Let's normalize it. I mean, in my perfect world, my physical doctor, my therapist and my dietitian are friends and they're in the same office together. And they're like, all right, she's processing this trauma right now. So we're going to feed her body in this way. And we're going to give her this emotional support because it's all connected. So, all right. Who else would like to share on that? Um, I can piggyback because I started to go to therapy when I moved to Boise, like pretty soon after. Um, I am not somebody who enjoys change. I love constant. I love knowing what's next, like in my, like being able to plan that. And one thing before Riley speaks, I remember when Riley decided to move to Boise, Riley was adamant she didn't want to be in Spokane her whole life and I just give kudos to all my kids to go away away for a while and when she told me that I was I was just remember I said I just want you to know changing jobs moving to a new city moving in with a boyfriend those are life change those are things that can bring a lot of emotion and stress so just be prepared that that could could happen and I remember when she did call me and it was like okay I'm having all those, all those experiences now. Yeah. Like I knew it was going to be like, okay, this will be like a little challenging, but I was pretty naive to think that I could have handled it as better, um, essentially. So the way these emotions manifested was just like anxious all the time. And Mm -hmm. I just felt like everything was changing. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that was constant was my boyfriend, Matt. And mm-hmm. I just became like a leech. I felt like on him because mm-hmm. he's the one thing that stayed the same. Sure. And I was like, I got to go to therapy. <laughs> like, yeah. I gotta talk to somebody. But mom, I remember telling you, like, I think I'm going to, I'm like searching out getting a therapist and such a privilege. My hospital offers free, ther- free therapy. So good. But I remember you saying something like, not like, is this my fault? But like, did I do something wrong? Right. And I, yeah. And you have said that before. mom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that just goes back on like, it's our generation generations. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. and I was like, no, I'm just going through some things that literally have nothing to do with anybody else, but me Mm -hmm. and not know how to process this. Mm -hmm. I didn't have like this life altering, like therapist, like Taylor did, but I am not somebody who likes to like burden anybody with my Mm -hmm. emotions. And so Mm -hmm. just seeking out another person to like talk to, I was just like really proud of myself that I just even did that. So yeah. And good for you for giving yourself credit for that. Yeah. And I will say like, it's, it's been so interesting and I don't know. Cause like, obviously our sister dynamic is such a gift and like, we have great relationships. And I think when I look back, even like, like the intensity of relationships in high school, like the mm-hmm. biggest thing we would fight over is the clothes. That's the word. like, there was never like, we fought over friendships, like fought over, like who got more, more time or like who was liked by our parents more. Like when I, like, I have such fond memories of growing up with my sisters. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I get emotional, I have big emotions. Um, <laughs> but when Riley, so I had the privilege of getting Riley and Ellie in both high school and in college. Cause I'm in the middle. You're in the so middle. We all, yeah. We're all at me together. And then we are all at WSU saw them like in the sorority. So I got like everything. And then sure. I was the one who moved across the country and like for a, a little while. And I have not lived in the same city as my sisters. I was the longest one in Pullman too. Yeah. This was the first time I've ever been in the same city as a sister again. And there's just been so much life change since that. And I vividly remember Riley coming over and like, yeah, I'm having a hard time. And I was so excited for her to move here. 
And so then I, and as someone who's been told, like, I have like a mentorship personality, like love sharing my opinions and thoughts with people, Riley was like processing, like kind of how she was feeling. And I had like no words. Like I felt like I could not say the right thing. And she left and I just like wept. <laughs> I was like, did I convince my sister to move the city? She hates it. Oh my God. I don't know what to do. Like, and then I was like, I didn't say any of the right things. Like I can't help her process this because it, so much of it was my own feelings of like remembering when I moved to Texas and Fort Worth and having no one and being like, this is scary and hard. Yeah. And so I was feeling all those same feelings that she was feeling. And I was like, I didn't say any of the right things. And so it's been so interesting to realize how much we all have changed and being mm-hmm. in this like less distance from one of the sisters. It's like, sure. yes, we're sisters. But we're also like learning how to be in the same city and like have a friendship sister relationship. It's been a long time since that. And so I think that has been something I've been learning from. And then you also feel like shame and guilt because I'm the sister that always forgets the birthdays and never sends things. And like, this is the first <laughs> like, I sent birthday gifts. This is like a gift. And like, so I don't know. It's just, I, I'm just learning so much about being in tune with my, like the emotional health of my sisters. Yeah. For the first time in a long time. Yeah. I think that's a really, really good point because you said so many things that I'm like, yes, in our house too. Yes, in our house. So too. that made me chuckle. But also too, you're talking about being together in the same, you know, city again. And, you know, Riley's coming with a partner this time. It's not just Riley. And she's processing this move and she processes it very different than you. And so learning how to be sisters together, Sierra has this dream that everyone's going to come and live in the same place with her. And she's doing <laughs> all these things to try to cultivate that and make it possible because it, it's a really big, like super important thing to her. And Tim, thank God, loves the sisters. and He's, he's along for the ride. But Kylie's like, I kind of like moving all over the place. And she's in a very serious relationship. And I I don't see them necessarily ending up in the Northwest. And so Kylie's like, I love my sister so much, but I just don't think I'm ever going to be. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and like literally serious buying a house. And you're like, Courtney, when you're done at school, the house is ready for you. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. So that dynamic of, of how you will see and want to be together, but, you know, also seeing yourselves as adults and your own relationships and like, processing how that right how that looks now compared to when you were all together growing up in, in that dynamic and um and Riley too I think giving yourself credit for getting that help because you did a lot of things I mean any one of those things that you did is a, called a big change whether it's a job change moving in with somebody that you, when you haven't lived with you know them before and changing cities you did all three of those things at one time <laughs> and, and, yeah. and so it's just like oh my gosh I mean, it's a lot. And I think it's a lot too, when you're, when your partner deals with things differently than you do too, because we've, you all know, we've moved a lot. We've lived all over the country. And so when Sierra and Tim moved from Southern California to Bellingham, Sierra was just like, oh yeah, we're moving again. This is only like Tim's second move in his life. And so Tim's <laughs> like having all these emotions and feelings about moving and changing parts of the country and locations. And Sierra's like, oh, that's just normal when you move. And she's like, I had to stop myself and realize He's lived in Chicago area and Southern California and here. That's it, which is a lot for some people, you know, whereas Sierra could name, you know, six cities that she's lived in and places of regions of the country. So even too, within that, Riley and probably Ellie, you've dealt with that too. And moving in and like how each, we each process those things differently. So not only learning how we as sisters process our emotional 
you know, health and all those things, but how our partners do too. There's a lot, so much in that. Well, I was going to say, I, it's kind of the whole emotional health thing is, I feel like it's a big buzzword now, but I'm seeing it in the classroom a lot. Like Mm. me personally trying to prioritize with that with kids, because, you know, at a young age, if they can learn that emotions are normal, but like the way you respond to how you're feeling is what's like really important. Yes. I feel like, you know, you're just going to get so many more well-rounded adults, which we need yes. more of. So absolutely. Um, but it's kind of like forced a lot of that learning on myself too. And mm-hmm. like seeing that in other adults that I'm around kind of like, wow, we were not taught explicitly like how to navigate like big feelings and like yeah. the connection to like your physical well being too. like, teaching the kids, like your body is talking to you, mm-hmm. you know, like you feel certain things when you have big emotions and these are like the strategies you can use, like when you feel these big emotions. And mm. it's interesting to hear them talk about things because they have a lot of stereotypical views about emotions already. And they're seven sure. and eight, like oh, boys, yeah, boys don't cry or boys cry, mm. but men like older boys don't cry that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Or um, it's not okay to get upset. Like it's, a, it's bad to be mad or like frustrated mm-hmm. or even like the simple things of like making mistakes. Like I can't not be perfect all the time. Yeah. Like I can't try things and fail. Like that's not okay. So yeah. it's just, it's really interesting to process that with process that with kids. Um, yeah. And then seeing like my husband think about like things when he was growing up and like how emotional well being was talked about in his family. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, the priority of being like physically well, but like your mental health is also very, very important. And yeah. like you said, they tie hand in hand. So, yeah. Yeah. I love, thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's one of the most important things people, if you don't get anything else out of this, if you have little kids, I think that there's this thing about emotions and whether they're positive or negative that get ingrained upon us when we're little, like four mm-hmm. and five years old about that's a good emotion. That's a bad emotion. Like these are just emotions, right? We were built to feel emotions so that we know what's going on in our bodies, in our lives and what we do with them or how our parents or, you know, teachers or whatever respond to them. That's, that's what matters. Do we have the tools to do that? And this whole idea, I mean, of these poor little girls and little boys get it. I mean, these poor little boys that have these sensitive little hearts that are shamed for crying when they're seven years old, because somebody told them that wasn't okay. When that's just who they are. I mean, you know, that to me is one of the most important things that we can change the narrative on. It's like, these aren't good or bad. These are just, okay. This is who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl. Um, And just have the response that we can change the world. If we can get that you know, into these kids at that stage. My brother does a thing. He's a cardiac NP. His wife's a teacher. We grew up in a very patriarchal boys do these things. Girls do these things home. He has a boy and a girl. He does this thing with this little boy every night. Cause my brother, he's the youngest, he was a big feeler and that was squashed in him early. <laughs> and so he sits with his little boy every night. He's seven years old. And he's like, what, what made you happy today? What made you sad today? What scared you today? What was fun today? And they talk all that through because he is committed that, you know, Deacon, no matter how many fun sports or whatever things he does, which he's going to never, ever be shamed for being empathetic for being kind mm-hmm for crying, for feeling. And that has to start. You see 
where people get, I mean, you know, your mom and I've seen this with people, they get to their mid forties and there's all these like breakdowns of marriages, mm-hmm. of relationships, of your own mental health because of these narratives that we got when we were so young. So, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, so that's, that's world changing. Thank you for speaking to that. Cause I think that's so important. So, so, so mm-hmm. important. Okay. How can we support ourselves and other women in living unapologetically? We as women are the same sorry champions of the world <laughs> for things that we have no control over or just they plain aren't our responsibility. I mean, I don't know how many times I said to my daughters when they came home, they had a bad day. I'm so sorry. Why am I sorry? It's not my fault that that kid threw a rock at you at the playground when you took his basketball. I was, and that was, why am I sorry for that? But I mean, so, and Brady's really good. My husband is really good. He's like, take that back. Why are you sorry? Cause he's really, he noticed that from me in the get go. He's quit apologizing for everybody. They're not your responsibility. So he's been really good about holding me accountable for that. It's taken a while to get sink in. He's also recognized I had anxiety when we were, you know, first dating, but took a while for that to sink in too. <laughs> he stayed with it. Um, but talk to me about that, about, about how, you know, how that plays out in your life and where it roots from and how you deal with that. This is a tough one for me. I don't really even know how to put put it in words. I'd be interested to see my daughter's take on it. Um, I feel like I'm really supportive of other women, but I've never been in a a field of work where that's not allowed me to. I I don't know. I guess I've never. That's that's hard for me to kind of visualize that I I would not be one of those that would champion other women. But I know that 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 happens all the time in certain workplaces, and even even our kids growing up in a very competitive, succeed um, academically as well as maybe sports or some other type of activity that you're involved in. Yeah, I'm interested on the take from my daughter's perspective. Yeah, daughters. Yeah, I think um, I always think of like how the role of social media plays into stuff like this Mm -hmm. these days too. and I mean, as a 30 year old, I even stopped myself. Like, why are you comparing yourself to all these right. other people? Like, um, so I think just like in terms of like scrolling through social media, knowing that everybody's a human and mm-hmm. processing all these different things, maybe not out in the open, but also I think being like, I think about like my friendships with my girlfriend being like a safe space for people where they can mm-hmm. feel vulnerable and you know, express how they're feeling or, you know, worries or excitements with me without judgment. Right. Yeah. And I think like norm, like humans kind of judge just without even thinking about it. Yeah. It's just kind of depending on like what lens we're looking at life through. So I'm trying to be better about that too. Like asking, wait, why is this person feeling this way? Mm. Maybe like, you know, being curious versus judgmental yeah, and wanting to know more versus being like, well, that's dumb. Or why would you ever do that? Or why, why is that a worry that you have? Um, so just kind of look, maybe just like altering your lens a little bit. Yeah. I love what you said about being curious instead of judgmental. I think curiosity 
can change the whole way we approach anything, whether it's a negative thing that we, I'm curious why they did that or a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, they did that really cool thing. I'm curious to know more about the. Thank you. for. I love that word. That's one of my son-in-law's favorite words too. And I'd never thought about it that way before mm-hmm. until he started talking about being curious about, I'm like, oh, that's a really good way of taking that judgment lens off. I think mm-hmm. it's, um, it pops up a lot for me in the classroom because mm-hmm. kids are very, impulsive sure they don't and they can't explain why they do things it's just right. you know their brains like literally their brains are not developed to express like why they're doing certain things so I yeah. always think of like okay my immediate reaction is to correct behavior but I'm yeah. going to connect first mm. like get to their level right be yeah. curious about what is going on to really figure out like can I navigate this a different way versus like being like no you're never supposed to do that why would you ever do that and I've mm. kind of stopped myself from asking like why to kids too because they don't really know they don't why know <laughs> it's, it's what they've seen it's what's been modeled to them yeah. you know they don't know or that maybe not yeah. even that it just came out but I love yeah. that I I, I th- okay if I have any friends with grandkids where do you teach at? I want them in your class. <laughs> Honestly, I love that. Yeah. Um, I think for me, so I, I moved to Boise. I accepted a job at Boise state and initially in um, the realm of fraternity and sorority life. And um, I was big into sorority at WSU and um, it was, it was a fun first job, like out of grad school. And I loved the students I met, but um. I have a lot of opinions now on, on fraternity and sorority and Mm -hmm. the benefit it is to college campuses. And like, I do think there's a lot of connection and leadership development and growth that can happen in those, those spaces. But I think, especially when COVID came around and, you know, we all had a lot of conversations about race, you know, the summer of 2020. And I, I grew pretty cynical of being a representative for sorority and fraternity. Yeah. And like can still see the benefits of it. Sure. But it's the re- one of the reasons I transitioned out into the job I'm in now, which is um, for a local B Corp called Salt based in Boise, which um, makes reusable period care products for um, people around the world. And so I love that. Men- <laughs> That's yeah. So, so cool. it's menstrual cups and period underwear. And so I think the nature of my work that I do now by design gets me amped about women. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> You're so, in the middle of one of the most yes. important things that they deal with that in some yes. areas don't get dealt with well. Yeah. And so just, and also the way, so it's my, it's my first time I've ever been like so proud to tell people what I do for work yeah. because there is no, besides stigma and like, people are like, wait, what you talk about periods or like vaginas every day. But I love that. We got to normalize that too. Yeah. The shock, once the shock factor is gone, it's all good and important work Sure. in what we're doing. And so I think it's been so cool to be in an office run mostly by women owned by a woman who prioritizes like free childcare for both men and women that have better parents. And so it's just been a breath of fresh air where, where I came from college structures, which I love college and university students, but it is so structured and hierarchical and yeah. political. And now mm-hmm. I'm in like a startup world where it's like, anything goes, you know, I'm just like, oh, what? So it's been so yeah. cool to think 
and see it modeled for me, women championing other women in a yeah. very real way and giving yeah. access. An authentic way. It's yes. not, not posing or no requirement. It's, it's authentic. Yeah. And so I, I, that has just been really cool. Like I love, I love my job and I love seeing tangibly the impact work that it does for women sure. um, and just all people with periods. So I, that has been really cool for me to see tangibly in my life right now. And I think there's a whole other component, like Ellie, I loved what you said about judgment and like, we're all by nature yeah. people who judge, but I think I'm trying to think of that differently as well. Like, okay, how can I connect with people rather than just like, well, and I think know. just, I think just that reality, whenever you start getting into therapy and start doing your own work, you start realizing we've all got shit, <laughs> yeah. we've, I, you know, and we've all got stuff that affects how we interact with the world based on how well or not we have dealt with right. it. Yeah. And I think just our world, like right now is so binary. Like you have mm-hmm. to have an opinion of like, I agree with One this. Way I don't agree with this. Yeah. I agree with this. I don't agree with this. And I'm just like, I don't, I, I don't land on one side of the coin based upon how I vote politically, how I like have a faith practice. Like that is not, I, I can't do that. Like my brain doesn't separate it as easily. And so where our world feels like it's forcing us into that, this space where you have to choose. And then like, I'm automatically judging people that probably are judging me because they think I think a certain way. And so that has been really hard to just, you know, come to terms with like, okay, I'm thinking the same thing about that person as they're thinking about me. Like that is not kind. Like I need to stop doing that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it brings about where we are in the world. And, and for Riley, you, you're like living right in the middle of it because at the end of the day, it's your job to take care of all these people, regardless of where they land on the spectrum. But then all of this stuff (laughs) that's stuck within that in terms of how you handle your own personal health versus the hospital, what you're being told, how do you champion for yourself? Oh man, that I, that's gotta be just, uh, I feel like I've had to kind of learn what like compartmentalizing is. Um, cause you do have to separate it. Like I, when I, when my first sessions with my therapist was like, when you come home, like, what's your routine after you like get off shift? And I was like, Oh, I take a shower. And she was like, when you're in the shower, like in the water's like hitting you, like envision that that's washing away, like that shift for you. Mm. And that helped a ton because I had such a, especially within my first year of nursing, such a hard time sleeping because I would be, I couldn't like shut it off when I'd come home. Yeah. And then I'd be thinking about going back that next night. And then obviously like with COVID, it just, everything was exasperated. And oh, yeah. Um, so learning how to like shut those things off sure. is something. Absolutely. So how in the nursing world have you guys championed and supported each other? How has that looked? Has that been complicated? Has it, how's that looked. Yeah. I think a lot of people have had to adapt and change. And obviously like healthcare is a huge, it's a team sport, essentially like you just can't do it by yourself. But I feel like a lot of people have had to take on that like team mentality to a whole different Mm -hmm. level. And that was another thing when I had, I went for my first job at Kootenai for two years and then went to St. Luke's and it's, 
an incredible unit. I've really enjoyed it. But those first few months was really hard because I didn't feel like they were my team yet. And so Mm. I didn't, I felt alone every time I went to work. Like I didn't have, I didn't know who was like, they call it like your work wife or like your best friend at work. Like, who is that for you? I didn't have that. So yeah. it was really hard for me. Like I had so much anxiety going into work because I'm like, okay, if something does go wrong, I didn't have my person that I could like rely on at that point yet. Yeah. And now like I had even told Matt yesterday, like, I'm like, I'm really content with my job again. Mm. Cause like I go to work and I'm like, Oh yay. Like Whitney's working or like, Lindsay's here. So yeah, I think that makes a huge difference when you have people that, you know, you can rely on. Yeah. And it, it's so unpredictable and you have no idea what's going to happen during that shift. Sure. When you have people that you're stuck in a room for two hours and then you come out and they're like, Oh, I passed your meds where you like, it just makes your whole shift something different. When you talk about an important thing there, I think to be for each other, there has to be an element of trust. And when mm-hmm. you, and when we go into these environments, you don't like who's for me, who's not for me, who has that scope, who knows what that means. And so you've kind of, and especially, I think it's different for someone who's an extrovert versus a little more of an introvert, a little more reserved, and maybe takes a little more time to build those relationships and, and that trust mm-hmm. and that circle. That That's a huge piece because we're going to advocate for the people who advocate for us, but we're not, you know, so I think that's just how we're built as human beings. I think we all genuinely want to be for each other, but we want to trust that the other person's for us too. And so we Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, getting into that space where we feel like that's, that's the normal and not the exception. And that we've got, I think I connect with Riley in the sense of like finding those people you can trust in the workspace I've always, I mean, this is only the second school I've ever worked with. Mm -hmm. So I've been at this school for eight years. So I've built like really good relationships and I've worked with really a team that's pretty stayed pretty consistent the whole time that I've been there and they're amazing. Um, But I had, you know, it took me a while, like several years to be like, okay, I can connect some of my work life with my personal life. Mm -hmm. Um, I always thought like, I'm going to keep them very separate. Like, okay, these are my friends at work. Like Mm -hmm. I can talk to them about work stuff, but when I leave, like my personal life is very different. Yeah. Um, but now that you've built relationships with people, I feel like I can be open and unapologetic and authentic with the people I work with. And I feel like I have kind of given some of that burden that I've taken on in my job to other people that are supportive of me. Yeah. So I think it's super important, like going to work and having people, you know, that are there that you can say pretty much anything under the sun to, and they're right. not going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she just said that. Or, yeah. you know, yeah. so. Absolutely. Yeah. That safe space. And, and I think again, you hit that word unapologetic, not being sorry for who you are. Is being comfortable in that, owning that and knowing that you're going to be for people that are that way with you and that they're for you. I mean, I think that's huge, but um, it's interesting because I think in the sports spaces that you all have occupied at different times that my daughters have occupied, it gets really tough sometimes. You're kind of depending on the health that the coach is established or not established. Unfortunately, I think we've seen much more unhealthy than healthy in that. And that kind of designs and sets the stage for how much you can be for or doesn't feel like you know for each other or against each other and I think Mm -hmm. Taylor you're like naturally just built to be for people but yeah but I think you've been in spaces where that hasn't been returned to you and that you know so how do you walk that out and feel safe in those spaces too it's it's complicated complicated. it is complicated it's 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 a weird thing because it's like so much and even like sisters like when you really think about it like 
and I feel so thankful that we didn't really grow up in a competitive sister environment. Like we all did have our very unique characteristics and things that we were good at. Sure. Um, there is situations I even look at now, like how I un or I guess unconsciously compared myself to my sisters. Mm -hmm. And I think they're like one, one that is just like top of mind right now is like my like self image, like how I viewed my like body in comparison Mm -hmm. to my sisters is like something I've always been processing. Um, but like, I feel so thankful that it was in like a relationship and like sister dynamic where it's like so loving where Mm. that could have been really detrimental to me as a human. If it was like a, like if my parents were telling me something like I need to look a certain way or Mm -hmm. like not eat those things. Like I'm just like, I feel like I like bypassed something that could have been really, really dangerous. And so Thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> um, and so I think now I get to look back and be like, there's so many unique characteristics of each of my sisters that I'm able to look at other women that I work with or that I like mm. exist in the world with and see those unique characteristics that everyone can bring something to the table. Yeah. And like that is such like that needs, that's a culture that needs to be perpetuated more than what it is. Yes, Because I think a lot of people do really struggle with like, oh, I felt these things with my sister, or I felt these things with my best friend or my teammates. And that's why I respond the way I do at work or Mm. in my friend groups now. And so, yeah, I just feel thankful that like my own self-consciousness like wasn't perpetuated by my sisters or my family. It was perpetuated my own thoughts Mm. and I've learned to respond in different ways. And also perpetuated by our society in general, social media, all that. I mean, I feel like, yeah. And I don't, and I don't know why, but I just made a concerted effort that we didn't have, um, you know, all those, you know, um, magazines that had cover models yeah. and we just, did, I didn't, we didn't we get did. those subscriptions. We didn't buy them at the grocery store. Yeah. Um, and just, I don't, I don't think that we, we really focused on, I don't ever remember talking about you shouldn't eat that. I don't, right. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't that. like yeah. our, our self-worth was never tied to like what we looked like ever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We always laugh because my dad got three daughters and a wife and yeah. girl dogs, right? So he was like the only guy. And had three sisters of sisters, right? Yeah. But like, there was never, and I've talked, I've had this conversation with my husband. There was never an opportunity for us to be like seen as the princesses or the girls yes, of right. the family, right? right? Where the boy, the son took on these other roles. Like we yes. were mowing the lawns. We're yep. doing yard work. We yep. have to get a job at a certain point. We're doing our own laundry. Like yeah. there was never a time for us to put our self-worth in just like being girls and yeah. being like what society was seen, seen as girls, like just pretty. And you know, you're there, you know, yeah. to look at. So, and yeah. enough, like additionally, like I think, cause we're all in relationships, Ellie's married and R- Riley and I are both in now longer term relationships. And mm-hmm. I've seen it play out, like introducing like my significant other to my dad. There's not this weird, like let me grab my gun or like, you have to to prove yourself here. But when I introduce him to 
like my dad's friends, there's this weird, like mentality of like, you have to (laughs) prove yourself. And I'm like that my dad has never operated like that. Like he's always like, cool. Welcome. Welcome here. Yeah. And like, if you cross my dad in the wrong way, like he will share his opinions and like, but it's never like this toxic, really toxic masculinity. I've never seen that from my dad. Yeah. And I think that like also like my dad is a very strong character in the story of like helping Mm -hmm. us and championing us as women and like being like, go for it. Like do what you want. Like, I think my dad also plays a role in that too. That's so important. So many thoughts on that because Brady didn't grow up with all sisters, but he grew up with a mom that was a woman before her time. Right. There was, she, there was, everybody learned how to cook. Everybody learned how to do laundry. There was, he had an older sister and two brothers. She did not care. There were no cares about that. And so consequently, Brady was much like your dad built to be a girl dad and our girls adore him. I mean, they Mm -hmm. are all and all have their own unique relationship with him. They have Zoom coffee dates once a week. They fight over (laughs) the time. I mean, but he was built, he was built for that. And that, that environment kind of prepared him, but kind of the same thing, no princesses, but that relationship matters and how you see your dad interacting with you as Mm -hmm. a woman, as a girl matters. And it changes the scope of how, uh, how you see yourself, how you see each other. I think that's Really, and also, cool. and also, relationships they they choose absolutely. It's absolutely. just so it's so wonderful to see all yeah. my daughters in relationships where they're supported and they're not judged, and I, I and they're they're treated so kindly as well as uh, respected. It's just obviously kudos to their dad for setting that as a role model too. Absolutely. I mean, that there's no question in my mind that that mm-hmm. plays a role in the relationships that are chosen as you get older and you, you yeah. move forward. So Riley, as a youngest sister, um, how was, how is it for you as, you know, you have these two great sisters, they're out there, they're doing their thing. How was that for you coming behind them? Was it scary? Was it great? Was it both? Cause I know that can be interesting as the youngest sister. I feel well, a couple thoughts. I feel like I had a path, um, mm. kind of set for me. So sure. it, like these are the teachers you're going to have because they had your sisters and I'd get there. And then I vividly remember multiple times people would be like, you're nothing like Taylor, like <laughs> so many times, but not in like, a, like a good, cause I'm just right. Yeah. Not in right. Like, no, right. In bad connotation. But like when you hear that, like yeah. I'm 11 years old and <laughs> it's just like this automatic, like, comparison you're comparing me to a completely different person and we're probably the most different out of everybody in our family I don't know are we yeah Yeah. I don't know but then also like it felt really good to have that you know like I Mm -hmm. of course I veered outside the lines of the path yeah all are aware of that um (laughs) But I, I always came back to it. Like it was just this like guiding light that I had. It was a safe place. Mm-hmm. And I just feel really grateful that I had that. Of yeah. course, I see the boundaries like any teenager does. Absolutely. But 
I also had really supportive sisters that never, that just genuinely cared. They weren't like being these overbearing judgmental. They were just doing it out of like pure love for their youngest sister, making sure that they wanted me to succeed in life. So, um, I definitely think that comparison, I feel like women as in general compare Mm -hmm. each other. Yeah. I think it's a very interesting dynamic because you you spoke to a really important thing of, it was like, oh my gosh, why would you think I'd be like sister, but also this great path? Because that's kind of was, I've heard that a lot from my daughters too. I mean, Megan Anderson had all three of my daughters and they are all three very different human beings. Uh, They don't even look alike. and so, but yeah, kind of them kind of working out that same dynamic of, uh, of both relishing and being like, well, no, I'm not her, uh, it, but both, but feeling both at the same time. And, 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 and the sisters always being for each other. I think that's, um, that's, what's so beautiful about that relationship, but it starts so much at home with your mom and dad set the precedent for it yeah, I feel and, like and created that- like, like we said, the, really the only thing we ever thought about was like clothes and like maybe what we wanted to watch on TV, but it never went like any deeper than that. It was super surface level things. And I feel like mom and dad just made that the standard that you guys, you guys love each other, like your sisters. And so I feel like that has continued into how we have relationships with other women. Like, yes. just rooting for other women. It just feels better to do it yourself and to know what it feels like to be rooted for by another woman Mm -hmm. is like that, like that just feels better than not rooting for them. So yeah, that's, that was, that's really good. Yeah. Like because of how we were raised and the relationship that we all had. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Good stuff, ladies. Um, the importance of setting and coming back to your why in everything you do. We all have different choices we make in terms of jobs we take, relationships we're in, things we say yes and no to. Ellie mentioned earlier, you know, some important things if they had to really establish a why during COVID because of what was safe for her husband in this time. So, you know, and you all have moved in different spaces and chosen different routes. So talk about your why and how that forms or if you're still finding it. I don't know. This one's kind of tough for me too, because I think I'll say it again over the last year and a half since COVID. (laughs) um, I think a lot of things have come to light, like culturally um, Mm -hmm. the emphasis we put on our professional lives and the, like how we often tie our identities to what we do professionally and how that's not always the healthiest thing. Um, And I think my why professionally is very different than like my why personally and Mm -hmm. like, how do I set the boundary between those two, but also how do I like kind of intertwine them so that they Mm -hmm. support each other? I don't know. Um, And like my husband working from home and him kind of navigating, okay, I want to stay working from home, but is his company going to force him to come back to the office? And Mm him being able to kind of find this good balance of like taking care of himself physically and emotionally while working from home, but also giving himself to his job 100%. Um, so I think I don't, I'm still figuring out my why, I guess like my why professionally is to help support kids to be 
you know, functioning humans and the world that they grow up in. But like my why personally is to make sure I'm a functioning person in in the culture that I'm living in. So yeah. And I think you make a good point there. It it doesn't have to be a one thing, you know, it can be different spaces and different layers and just making sure that, you know, I think words I really like around it too are values. Like, okay, what are my values? And does this align with my values? This thing that's happening? Because I think sometimes that puts a a good, a better frame on it too. Yeah. I I think when I um, got to the point where I could pick a job, and obviously this is once again, a privilege to be able to pick a job based on something that feels um, that aligns with my values. There was a time period where you're working because you are trying to save money to help put these three daughters in college. And yeah, it might not have been the scenario of your dream job. Yep. But once the kids got through college, I was able to kind of um, put that into perspective a little bit for me myself. And I wanted to work like kind of how Taylor talks about her career now, even though it's not in higher ed, that she just feels so connected to it. And I think I was able to kind of take some time to go, okay, I want to go to a job that I feel supported and I feel like I'm supporting a mission that I can um, 100% support and feel good about. And I, so that, that why for me obviously changed in the last probably five years when I was able to be able to um, take the time and kind of think about things that I really feel important in my life and what I want to, where I see myself in this world, this crazy world. So yeah. But I know it's, and it's, it's a phase, like Ellie said, it's not always something that you can focus on, unfortunately, because yeah. the reality some of the people, world. Yeah. Sometimes you just have yeah. to put food on the table. Yeah. Not everybody exactly. has that luxury. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Taylor, I think you were going to jump in. Yeah. I, um, my why has really changed a lot this last year and a half due to yeah. COVID due to like, you know, things just looking different in our world and Mm -hmm. my own belief structure kind of shaping and shifting in different ways. And Mm -hmm. like how I want to exist in the world, how I want people to see me is that I'm walking around and making people feel seen, heard and understood. Mm -hmm. And that like sentence has been really clarifying for me, like in controversial political conversations, like yes. if I don't agree with these people, I'm like, all I want them to do is feel seen, heard and understood. And I, I want that. to feel the same way too. Yeah. And so I think a lot, what my belief structure was rooted in is um, inherently trying to convince people of something. Yes. And where like, <laughs> I have just, started to think really critically about that and not really having an answer for that anymore. And that's been really hard in itself. But, um, I think that's still that like seen, heard and understood is still like coming from a place of love and intentionality that I love so much about, you know, being a believer in, in a faith structure. And so, um, and I, and I want to walk around the world and have people see me and want those things for me too. So like, that's yeah. why I speak up when I have something to say or why if someone's misinterpreting what I'm saying, or someone is saying something that I once said, but I didn't actually mean that, like I will clarify and communicate what I really meant to say. And it's why like, there's longer conversations with my boyfriends when I'm emotional and I'm feeling big things, mm-hmm. like taking the time to feel understood. And, yes. you know, so 
I think that's like my why and it, it, it helps because it's not so specifically tied to work. Yeah. It's like, it's very broad where it can fit in all of those categories. And so that's, that's kind of my why, I guess. Yeah. I love that. That's really good. So Riley, has your why changed during this most crazy time to become a nurse? You obviously had had a why going into that. How how, has that shifted or? I don't know if I have a why I want to figure out my why I just, I think professionally and just individually, they look very different. Like Ellie was saying, yeah, I don't think they're coinciding right now. Yeah. Like I'm, I have a job that, that pays well and that puts food on the table and pays my rent, but I'm not absolutely the happiest I've ever been. And I just think it's a job that takes a lot out of me, like mentally and emotionally. And So I'm figuring out my why professionally, individually, I just feel like I want to like love people and feel loved and like grow along the way. And right now I feel like I'm doing that and that's okay. Absolutely. And I love what you said about that's okay. Cause I think you got to give yourself room for that in this, this time where, and you guys are in that time where you're figuring that out Mm -hmm. and something that, um, you Sierra made a big job change. She came out of this whole FCA world and a lot of culture issues within that that were problematic and had to walk away from a lot of people and groups she and Tim did that just weren't aligning with who they were anymore. And so they were kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, kind of swimming in this, what does our life look like now? And they sat down, they took a weekend and they sat down and they just hashed out. They came up with five values and she jokes, we can only remember three now. So (laughs) the other two must not have been very important. (laughs) And they, and they, and they've taken those and it's a lot like what you're talking about, Taylor, is they just kind of look at whatever they're going to do when they were deciding what jobs, what city, you know, what people they're like, does it align with the, these spaces that we agree on? Does it align with those? And if it doesn't align with those, then the answer is no. And being committed to that, like Brady and I were like, we would have never had the courage at that age to be that committed to <laughs> yeah. We would have just not. There's just zero chance that we would have been willing to be that. Kylie's done the same thing. She was in a you know program at Wake Forest in Divinity School. And she's like, I'm not in this space anymore. This just doesn't align with who I am anymore. I'm walking away from this. This whole evangelical world is not is not where I want to be. It doesn't fit my values and, and reapply. And she's at university of Michigan now in a social work and public health context that that has its own challenges that we, while you were talking yeah. about education earlier, Taylor and being in grad school and all those kind of stigmas and things that go with it. She's just like, and Kylie's the funny thing is she's wasn't really, you would not have thought she was the one she's probably going to end up being a doctor, doctor, get in her doctorate. Everyone would have said Sierra was going to be that person in our, in our family dynamics. And so those things that are kind of imposed, which we'll get on, but they all kind of, they found these, they kind of piggybacked off of their sister and Tim, which they do a lot. Courtney did the same thing. She found these values. She walked away from volleyball and scholarship at Adelphi because it just wasn't aligning with who she wanted to be and went to Oregon state and charted her own path. 
but kind of did that thing where they sat down and were like, okay, we're doing these wild things, but not being scared of it. And I see you guys doing the same things too. Riley's like, I don't want to live in Spokane my whole life. We're going to move to Boise. Ellie's like, we're going to go to Seattle. We're going to be a teacher. We're going to get married. Oh, we're going to live in a one house apartment. We're going to figure this out. And, you know, and, and Taylor's like, I'm going to walk away from this space where I got my education because this isn't fulfilling anymore. So just commending you for your bravery. And I think you, and happy, I think you have more of, a why of just being true to yourselves, being true to what feels right and the most authentic to you. And it's so encouraging to see your all's generation being willing to do that. Because I think, you know, Eileen, we can say, you know, we were in that area of like, we were starting to go to college. I was the first one in my family to graduate from college. And that was like, you go to college, you get the job, you get married, you have the babies, you do the thing. And that's what you do. And you didn't, you don't really swerve from that. And you don't really stop to think, is this fulfilling? Does this feel right? You know, you're just doing the thing because that's what you got your degree in. So that's what you do. And all this, and and you all are not willing to settle for that. You're, you want more. And I think that's going to be so healthy for you. So that was a whole lot of mom stuff, but, (laughs) but I think that it's encouraging to see that, you know, conversations that you guys are having. Mm-hmm. And, and being willing to want more for yourselves across the board. Um, and as, and as, um, as moms, yeah. we, we get a lot of value as wa- watching our children succeed. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have this preconceived notion of what success is and yeah. you kind of get locked into that. And it's mm-hmm. so, it's so freeing to see there's success in so many different ways and avenues of life, um, professionally, emotionally, and relationships that I'm, I'm, I'm just so proud of all of them. And I'm able to realize that those, those expectations that I put on myself and my children, Mm -hmm. it's their life now. And I have to, I have to just be supportive and, and be here if they need me, but it's their, these are their choices now. It's not something I can control. Yeah. Their journeys. I know that's just the releasing control is a tough one. Yes, it is. is uh, Yeah. And I don't, I'm not sure we'll ever get over that. I think it just goes with being a mom. Um, All right. That goes nicely into um, growing out of others' expectations and living out of your own expectations. Sometimes this makes me think of like the birth order that you're born in too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, I, I didn't, and this was no one's fault, but like being the firstborn, I felt like it was harder to step out of the path that I was told to go down. Not that I really wanted to. My personality is very like, okay, I'm going to stay in line here. Um, I think that's but, an oldest thing too. <laughs> yeah. You're just kind of like, okay, I'm the first one to do this. So I'm going to do what people are telling me to do. And mm-hmm. I'm going to stay in this path because I don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. Um, but then now that like, I'm an adult, I think some of those, like what you guys were saying about you grow up, you get married, you have kids, you buy a house. Those kinds of things are coming up more for me now as a 30 year old. Um, Tony and I were never like, Oh, we're going to have kids right after we get married. Well, we didn't get married till we're 28 anyway. So we were older when we got married and we're just now having the conversations about potentially having kids, but you know, you get this stigma in your mind of expectations society has put on people where Mm. there's a certain order you have to do things in. And like, really, when you think about it, 
people do things out of order all the time and life goes on and it's okay. And I was talking to my friend who lives in Manhattan in New York city and like the way people live just in different communities, right? Like the idea of buying a house here in Seattle is wild and maybe not in the realm of possibility right now, Mm -hmm. but even in like New York city, dense populations, people don't buy houses. They rent for their entire lives. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you kind of start to think, okay, the things that I do, as long as they're working for me and I'm happy and my partner's happy and we're fulfilled in what we're doing, like the expectations are not valued as much, I guess. Yeah. 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 I think it's really important that that's a really good, important separation because we've noticed that living throughout the country and it's like, we got locked into these ideas that were supposed to be the idea. And like, there's so many different ways you can do it, you know, and Mm -hmm. what feels right, content, good, peaceful for me. All right. I, I think for me, so like I said, I went to grad school. I think there's two like distinct scenarios that I can think of like that I've really had to actively work about ignoring people's expectations and just moving through what I feel like is the best next step for me. And I feel like it's because my parents raised me in, in a family where it was like, Taylor, do whatever you want. Like that, like, <laughs> that, like they knew I was going to fly in a little different way, <laughs> maybe a little more dramatically or loud, you know? So anyway, um, I, but like with grad school, like I got my map in undergrad, I studied marketing and knew like I was going to be passionate about college university, what I thought for a long time. And like, I went to grad school specifically for higher ed, student affairs and higher education. And with my first year and a half, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, Mm -hmm. like I thought I was going to be able to, because I saw behind the curtain of what university systems look like outside Uh of being a student. And I was like, Oh wow. I don't know. And I think I could go back eventually and like find my place there one day. Yeah. But I was like, I just got my master's in this. Like I need to at least like explore other options. But it was just my next best step was pursuing a career outside pirate. And like, I am happy I'm thriving and I'm learning a bunch about private sector work. Yeah. And another like aspect of that is like, I've now been in a relationship for a year and some months with an individual who doesn't think the same things about the world that I do and mm. got a lot of pushback in a lot of hard conversations, not from my family, not from like people that have done life with me forever, but from groups and communities of people that had an expectation of what my life and the partner I choose needs to look like. Mm. And I'm really struggling with that for a long time. And so I think like it has been such a gift to feel so confident in like my next best step. And so Mm. that has been two active choices of me looking at other people and saying, I know that there's expectations put on me Mm -hmm. and your opinions of me hold a lot of weight, but that is not what's going to be the decision factor for me in this and actively having to choose that every day, because it's really easy to forget like, Oh, I'm making the wrong decision. Um, but no, I love that. And that does take a lot of courage. And I tell you, you are going to be so thankful for that because I cannot tell you how many people I know in my age group that all of a sudden are just like, 
I've been doing this for, you know, 25, 30 years and I hate this and I've hated it for a long time. And why, why did I stay in this space? Why did I do this? And uh, yeah, you will never regret that. Mm -hmm. Riley. Well, I feel like growing up, we had like really realistic expectations like put on us, not something that you have to get A's in all your classes. It's like, go to school and like study for your tests and do your best and the rest will work out. And it did for all of us. And it was like, be a kind human and just like very bare minimum expectations for us, which I never felt this pressure to be something that I wasn't, which is really special to grow up like that. And so now I'm in this place of, I went to nursing school. I got my nursing degree and I started in the hospital, which is kind of the expectation that you start in a hospital as a nurse and I've never once loved it. And so, Mm. um, I've had shifts where I've loved my patients and I've had, um, weeks where I've been like, okay, I'm, I'm liking my job, but I would, I want the pleasure like Taylor is right now where she loves what she does and she's so passionate about it. So I feel like I'm teetering that line of let go of that expectation where I have to be the best nurses are in the hospital. Like no, the best nurses are throughout our entire country, like in the most random of jobs that half of them I don't even know about yet. So I, I feel really like hopeful that I will get there. I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm just not there yet. Yeah. Um, That's really okay. And it is absolutely in time. And you know that, and you're aware, being aware of it's half the battle. There's so many people that are so scared of the awareness. They won't even address it. They just run away from it. So yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a tricky one. And, you know, I think you guys have all given good examples of how that, how that looks and how you, how you walk that out. And, but also too, I think you made a good point, Riley, of, you know, sadly, the environment that your parents provided for you is special and I'm not sadly it's special sadly that it's not the norm right you know um our world would be so much better served if if every kid could grow up in that kind of an environment because you know we're all doing the best we can no environment's perfect but you know that you're all speaking to that is is you know so important and so like and good for you all too that you recognize that and and Mm -hmm. are and are thankful for that so all right um we talked about this a little bit earlier, but what are some ways that you use to process your emotion in some healthy ways? Um, you, you're feeling the emotion. You need to work, get it out. What are some practices that really help you? I, I really realized I, I'm, I'm more of an introvert like my other two daughters. And same, Melissa, when you describe Brady, I think a lot of people think Jeff's this really gregarious, outgoing person too, 100% of the time. But he is, he's got the introvert personality too. When he shuts off, it's like, okay, I don't want to talk. I don't want to hear you guys talk. I just want to have my space. If it's watching football, if it's watching sports, I don't want any interruptions. But I, because I'm an introvert, I need a lot of alone. I need my alone time. So um, I don't have any problem removing myself or saying no to social engagements or going for a walk by myself. I, I work out a place, I work out at a place that doesn't require a lot of social interaction, mm. but in a, in a weird way, I also seek out that social interaction from girlfriends, coffee dates, um, walks, just, you know, processing and venting and getting feedback and 
um, those are my ways of kind of um, processing that for myself. Yeah. A little bit of both alone time as well as some girlfriend time. I think the girlfriend time is an important thing, ladies. Make times for your girlfriends. It is so so important. Don't let that go by the wayside. It's most the most important relationships that I have in my life. It, have those people you can walk life out with. Super important. I think for me, so I think just like the nature of what my life has looked like the past five years, like I've lived in a lot of different locations and mm-hmm. built a lot of really strong girl friendships um, that have like are deep and wide and I love them. Um, in this season of my life, I'm, I'm learning. I I'm kind of an external processor, but to an extent, like I need to have my thoughts, like my arguments written out. So they sound really nice before I'm (laughs) externally processing with someone. So I have learned in this season, like the beauty in having like a handful of people, like three, Mm. four good girlfriends, and then my partner and really, and then the phone calls to my mom that I make like three times, four times a week on my way home from work. Like that's, and that's okay. Like I don't need to live my, like with my heart on my sleeve with everyone that was my best friend at WSU and then at TCU and then my time in La Jolla. Like it is okay that friendships and who I'm processing my emotions with looks different in different seasons. And like, that was a really hard for me really hard thing for me to learn because I care so deeply about my past friendships, but the reality is I'm never going to live neighbors or in the same house as them. And so it's yeah. okay that they don't know everything about my life. Um, because it was really hard to like keep everyone in the loop and it was like <laughs> well, re-traumatizing feel- yeah, like having exactly. to tell the story over and over again. And it so stops being helpful. <laughs> yes. And so it has been good to like, and I love writing. And so I spend a lot of time journaling my thoughts out and maybe sharing my thoughts on social media. Like that's part of my routine and processing through my emotions. And so that that's what it looks like right now is taking time alone, but also being with a few, a handful of really strong friends to process those things. Yeah. 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 I feel like that's how I like to digest them myself a little bit first. Mm -hmm. And like I touched on earlier, I have a hard time like feeling like I burden people with my emotions. Um, so coming into like digesting them myself and then having the capacity to share it with other people, which I yeah. feel like I do like a lot with my mom and then just like a couple really close girlfriends. Cause like you said, the more you share it, the less helpful it really kind of be. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the same for me too. And I touched on earlier now that I'm back in the classroom, um, when I come home, I really do need like that half hour, hour, usually I'm doing some sort of workout like or a run or something where I yeah. can just be alone with my own thoughts without yeah. anyone else asking me questions or needing help from anything. Um, and usually I put my headphones in a lot. So mm-hmm. like Tony knows, like when my headphones are in, it's usually <laughs> I just need to be like left alone for a second, but yeah. And just kind of decompressing, I guess, because when I'm, I'm coming off a full day of work, interacting with people, I don't feel like I can give anything to anyone or answer any questions coherently. Yeah, you've been doing so, it all day long. Yeah. <laughs> so just being alone. But I mean, yeah. my husband's always been very physically active. That's how he mm. kind of processes emotions and is in like tune with himself. So I've kind mm. of picked up on those habits the last couple years. And so they've, I've, 
I find that they have continued this year, which is very nice because being back in the classroom has been a weird transition, but yeah. So keeping those routines and knowing I keep telling myself this, I know once I do it, I feel better. So I'm just going to do it. So, yeah, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to talk yourself into it. You're always thankful later. Mm-hmm. But I think too, you made, made a good point about you didn't just get to go back in the classroom. It was just back to the way things were. There's all these other things that go with it that still aren't normal and whatever right. normal is going to look like. I don't think any of us really know. So (laughs) the importance for you to, you know, for you to be able to make that space to do that and and separate that Mm -hmm. out, especially with your husband, who's been, you know, working at home all day. He's like, all right, somebody to talk to. (laughs) to It's like, not yet. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, but important though, for the relationship too, not just for Mm -hmm. yourself, but for the relationship. All right. So um, we are getting down to it here. The name of the podcast is Finding Empowerment, Embracing Layers. That's kind of what this whole context of what we've been talking about really wraps into. But give me a quick, you know, kind of synopsis of how you feel like you live out, feel, finding empowerment, embracing layers. And when I talk about layers, I want to talk, let's hit on that a little bit. Layers are all those parts of us, not just the good parts or the parts that we see the Instagram show moment. So talk to me about how you feel about those layers as you live out feel and, and, and how you are about embracing all those layers in yourself. I think for me, it's just normalizing like the journey that I'm on in, mm. in finding out who I am in all these new seasons. And like, it has been such a gift to like come to this terms of like, I will never have it figured out. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I'm paralyzed in the unknown, but it's mm-hmm. actually like it lights a fire under me. Like, okay, I can make decisions in confidence now and mm. it can change in the future. And so mm-hmm. I think looking at myself and seeing not a black and white person, but a very mm. like, yes, I have big feelings. Yes. I'm loud. Yes. I love building a lot of relationships with anyone. Like I, that's all really beautiful things a part of who I am like I have a really hard time processing like hard things like I don't like to be sad but some moments there is you need to be space to be sad to like really dig and find like healing in those moments and so I think I think for me it's just normalizing that it's all gonna look different in a year and in five years and ten years and um I think that's what it looks like for me is like mm. not looking at things black and white and looking at things, all of the colors and accepting all of those colors in myself at the same time. Mm. Really well said. I think, yeah, to touch on like the changes part of that, like I'm always very, I'm very much of like a comfort zone person. Um, and meeting people specifically my husband who've kind of pushed me to do things that I like never thought I would be able to do and finding like empowerment in that yeah so um like we became runners the last <laughs> two years so I think I mean, a lot I, of people became <laughs> runners the last two years but like pushing myself physically to do things that I didn't think I could do so now I can say I've run a marathon and nice. all this like now and now when I come to terms with like hard things that I have to go through. I'm like, well, I've done this, so I could definitely do this. Mm -hmm. And I think finding like that strength in that and Mm -hmm. being okay with changes and being okay with saying like, okay, I was this way and now I'm feeling, okay, I'm more of this type of person and knowing that that's normal. Like you change through seasons of your life and it's just normal. 
Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just even changing um, the, the new season that I'm in as a empty nester. Yeah. My um, Jeff and I are now together because he works out of the house. Mm. I, I work out of the house two days a week, but he's here most of the time. And when the girls were, when we were raising the girls, he was gone when I would say on average three days a week, Monday through Wednesday or Tuesday through Thursday. So we kind of had our own little routine yes. when he was in the town, you know, meals look different, probably routines look different. Yeah. So during COVID, he's been home full time. I mean, I think he's gone on two trips in the last almost two years. Yeah. And just navigating that amount of time that we spent together and realizing we both also need our space and mm-hmm. um, just the growth that we've had to come into as a, a married couple that now doesn't really have to worry about our kids like we used to, or, um, you know, it's just, it's the same thing. It's a, it's a new phase and it's, um, it looks different and we just are embracing it and learning along the way and mm-hmm. really getting able to, um, voice, you know, what we need differently from each other, you know, yeah. space, he needs a space. I need my space and giving each other the, um, freedom to, you know, me, me spend my time with the, my girlfriends or he has his basketball buddies that he might meet on a night or two or just just giving each other that freedom to realize that's needed in our relationship as well. Yeah, absolutely. Really good points. A good friend of mine who's we're all kind of in that same phase right now. And she's like, she's like, I call it our finding layers phase. We're kind of finding the layers of ourselves that we haven't had time to explore before because mm-hmm. we've been in this kind of, you know, you know, raising the kids, making sure they're all good mode. Not, I think we, you know, we've done a pretty good job of, you know, having date nights and making those spaces for each other, but at the same time, yeah, finding those layers and what it looks like now to, to be together in this time. And I think like one other thing, like for us to, yes, we're out of the house, but you bomb are always teaching. And I think right now, even more so like as Ellie's in her second year of marriage, I don't know. It all gets confusing this last year. Second or third year, but like have been dating for a long time. And Riley and I are in relationships that will progress to future levels potentially. And like to see our parents like fight to be together like that's not normal like and it is such I just like it's a joy to watch and it's Mm -hmm. a gift to follow and so I just think it's so special that we even get to learn from you guys now being like in a different state and like in a different season of life yeah well we we got an invitation from Riley and Matt to meet them down in Arizona and we're like we had invitation to go socialize with 25 year olds, you know, it's like, we're in, we'll be there. We couldn't keep up with them. Like they, they, you know, we're in bed by 10 o'clock and they run in at, I don't know, even what time, but it was just so fun to have, to be able to socialize with your kids on a completely different level, you know, as as adults, young adults and just seeing them in a different way. I feel really thankful for that too. I don't know if this is kind of off topic or on topic, but, um, that our relationship has developed like that. Like a lot of my friends, like some of them specifically have never really gotten out of that, like parent kid, like trying to control you. Here's my opinion. Listen to what I'm telling you kind of phase where now I feel like we've progressed to like 
a friendship level, you know, like being able yeah. to be very unapologetic and open with each other, you know, right. and not feel like you're my parent and you're going to tell me what I should do or what I have to do. Right. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun phase. It's it a is. nice phase, I think. <laughs> it is. And I and thank you for affirming your mom with that. Cause that's so important. I would, I would say that I was having in a conversation with Kylie sometime the couple last couple months. And we were talking about that phase when things were hard and we made some moves. And did you ever feel like things were unstable? And she's like, no, she's like the one thing that I've always known about you and dad is that you love each other fiercely and you fight for each other. And she's like, no matter what happened, that never wavered. And I was always thankful for that because we went through a phase and her friend group, gosh, her friend group just got rocked by some really surprising divorces as those girls were all going into high school. And it was such it was really hard. These couples were our friends. They were Kylie's friends, parents. And it was just, oh my word. And so I remember Brady and I specifically then like, we had to really make sure the girls know that this, that everything that we're safe. And, and, and even, and so to hear that come back around, I can I speak for your mom and say, that is like, man, that is the most important thing because Again, it is that's not easy. I am no, it's not easy. No, it's not. You, 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 you know, we, you know, you, you, you fight for each other and you fight mm-hmm. for the relationship and there's gotta be a, a level of commitment to that. Um, but yeah, but I, but it's good to hear you affirming your parents in that too. Cause I mm-hmm. think it is so important, um, that everybody, it just changes the way you view your own relationships and what you expect for yourself. All right. Riley, poor, poor sweet Riley is just like, Wait for my turn. <laughs> no, I was just going to say with Arizona, um, it was really cute. Matt comes from um, his parents got a divorce when he was in high school. Mm. And he also comes from a friend group where almost every single one of them is also divorced as well. So, um, and he's an only child. And he's oh, an only man. Child. <laughs> oh, man. So much going on there. Poor guy. Yeah, he's got his own dynamic. So it's been really really fun to invite him into our dynamic and yeah how much he enjoys like my sisters and their significant others but then also my parents relationship as well because it was actually like his idea to invite them to Arizona so yeah it's just been fun to like have this like new layer kind of form I guess you can say I I as new seasons come up and um I realize these new layers form or these layers that have always been there that I am just now like realizing. So, yeah. Yeah. And you'll continue to realize them too. And I, this is more of a sister question, but I have to ask you guys, cause I'm always, I laugh about it. So when, um, Sierra, the conversation in our family has never been about whether mom and dad would be okay with a guy. The conversation has always been about, will the sisters be okay with each other's guy? Like, that is way more scary for the guys coming in than it ever is talking to Brady and I. We're kind of like, you know, well, you know, culturally speaking, we should talk to them about it. But, you know, it's like and especially in our family, Courtney, like Courtney is like, uh, uh-uh. and the girls are like, if Courtney doesn't like them, they are out. <laughs> she is like, no, no BS. I mean, no. So talk about that as you've brought your partners in, how that's been with the sister dynamic, because you sisters are very close, much like our sisters, you know, my daughters are very close and, um, and how your partners have been too. Cause Riley brought up a good point. You know, my son-in-law, Tim comes from, there's he and his brother, who's five years older. His parents are divorced, very different family dynamic. 
And so when they got married, Sierra was like, so just so you know, the first Christmas that I can't be with my family, I'm going to cry a lot. And it's not because I don't love you. It's just because I really can't imagine not spending Christmas with my family. I was like, geez, Sierra, poor guy. He's probably like, oh my God. And these sisters, I mean, like they got married and within six months, like Courtney lived with them for three months. It was just like, oh dude, I hope you understood what you were getting. And he adores them. So anyway, so talk to me about that dynamic before we close things out today. Well, so Tony and I have been married two, no, a year and a half, but we've been together since we were 19. So okay. we've been together for almost so you've God, been at WSU. Years, this next. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I was a sophomore and he was a freshman. So we've been together for a long time, okay. but it took him a while. Like you said about Tim, like his family dynamics are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, his parents are still together. He has two younger sisters that are actually the same age as Taylor and Riley, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's the oldest child too, but you know, just like some unhealthy family dynamics, like yeah. extended family dynamics. So he, yeah. he started spending time with our family. He was like, are these people like acting? Like, are these, are they putting on like a face <laughs> show for me? me? Yeah. Like this can't be like normal. And I just had to, you know, reassure like, no, this is just how it is. And we have, you know, weird family dynamics. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Us, absolutely. Us too. We've got arms and for he, family that we could all yeah. tell stories about. <laughs> yeah. So, and he's more aware of that now, but like <laughs> our, like, you know, internally, like their small little family right. hub, he was just like, this is very weird, like not <laughs> normal. Like we were so like in his eyes, perfect that it just didn't seem like real. And he thought mm-hmm. that people weren't being like, like, authentic real to him yeah. yeah but and now obviously he knows this is just the way we are but yeah I think I was never afraid to introduce him to anyone but I also think that comes back to like our trust within each other like sure we trust each other's like um decision making and mm-hmm. like being confident in like what someone else thinks is like you know the real deal for them yeah. and so I never felt like a fear, like someone was going to judge, but I also knew that if someone had a real concern, they would tell me about it. Like yeah. I wouldn't be yes. worried that someone was like keeping secrets from me. Right. So, right. Yeah. I, yeah. We had, we really didn't have concerns. I mean, I, I think there was some dating maybe in high school with a few kids that we had, you know, we had these red flags, but you kind of knew, you had, yeah. you knew deep down that these were probably, were not going to be the These were not parties. the forever relationship. Yes. Right. So you, you, you had those moments of conversations there like, um, this is, doesn't seem like somebody that you would be dating. Anyway, I don't feel like now that they're adults, you just see them making so many healthy choices that you really do put trust in their decision-making when it comes to relationships as well. Yeah. I was going to say I had some questionable boyfriends in (laughs) high school and I, they knew my parents knew they were duds. My sister knew they were duds. I probably knew they were duds. And so I think we all just had faith that I knew they knew I was going to figure it out. Exactly. You were gonna, you were gonna realize when you found the one that wasn't the dead. You're like, oh, this is what I'm supposed <laughs> to be. Like. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. also think that's important to like let people navigate too. It's like this weird balance, right? Mm-hmm. Like wanting very- to be supportive of someone, but also tell them like when they could be making a wrong decision, but also not wanting them to like not figure it out on their own. It's a weird, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And I feel like our sisters and maybe like, I, like I said, kind of modeled by my dad, like there was never an intimidation factor. Like yeah. He, yeah. he's just not that kind of guy, but I think I've never, I've never been intimidated by my sisters to like introduce people, but I think there is an intimidation factor of like our larger family, just because like my mom comes from a family that's very big and like close. Like it's mm. not, it's not com- like, I know all of my cousins like have relationships with all of my cousins and there's a lot of them on both sides mm-hmm. and like second cousins, like there, there's just a lot of people. So I think I'm more intimidated. I am, have always been more intimidated bringing someone into that because I'm, I'm fearful of their perception <laughs> of it. Of like, Oh my gosh, there's so many people like, yeah. how do you navigate this? And so I think that's always been, but it's never been like a weird sister dynamic of like, someone needing to prove themselves there. I always know that my sisters have my best interests in mind, but will also give me the space to figure it out first. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a really nice balance. And I don't want yeah. to paint a picture of Courtney that she comes in. Oh my gosh. No, <laughs> she, no. she does not. She's going to be like, mom, I can't really make it and I think, but it goes back to that thing that you all know. And I, my girls, they're all fiercely for each other. Yeah. And so it's going to be like, if they ever say anything, it's going to be out of love, but totally. Um, I think I feel more for the guys coming. In. I'm like, yeah, I hope you're ready yeah. for this because they love each other and they're going to be around. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies, um, we're going to wrap it up here with a rapid fire. Um, we'll just go around to each of you and we'll we'll go ahead and we'll start with Eileen on this one and just go through birth order. Um, name five activities that nourish you. So um, these are in no certain order. Exercise, hard, sweaty exercise now is really nourishing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, time with my girlfriends, or my daughter's coffee dates. That's what I miss the most about having them not in my same city. Um, But, you know, hopefully we'll be able to see each other more with traveling and stuff. Um, Nature, Priest Lake, Mm -hmm. hikes, um, being out on the water, exploring the lake, just the the beauty of outside. A little piece of heaven. Great conversation with my, I have an incredible book group that meets Mm. every once a month that, just a diverse group of women um, that I just love to bounce things off of. We we talk about the book, but we also talk about life in general. And yeah. I get a lot of nourishment from them. Yeah. And then the fifth one is alone time. Just realizing that there's, like my kids said, there's nothing wrong with needing alone time. And yeah. I take advantage of it when I need it. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. All right, Ellie. Um, Mom, you have my list. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, surprise. <laughs> being literally almost the exact same order too, which is so weird. So but yeah, being active, um, being outside, um, alone time, but usually I spend that time like reading or listening to music. Mm-hmm. Um, more recently, like cooking or baking, just mm-hmm. following the steps seems to be, you know, kind of therapeutic. Yeah. And then um, oh, spending time with like, yeah, my core group of friends. Yeah. Like just small group. Yeah. yeah. For a limited amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> so you got your alone time too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. All right. Taylor. Um, mine are cooking. I've been loving cooking like new meals lately. Mm. Um, getting outside. Um, the third one would be spontaneity. So just like getting in the car, driving somewhere or, you know, just like trying out a new restaurant, like just Mm. things that aren't planned. Like I love Mm -hmm. having things not planned. I'm not much of a planner. Um, 
The fourth one would be traveling to like mm. seeing new places or seeing old friends. Mm. Um, and the fifth one would be, yeah, activity, like physical activity. Okay. All right. And Riley. Think we're related. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, reading like wine night with friends, binge watching any. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'd add that to mine too. Priest Lake. And then being around any type of animal. Okay. okay. All right. And then we're going to do in reverse order. So Riley, you're going to get to go first for the first time today. I think I didn't do a very good job of balancing that for you. All right. Five words on how you want to feel the next six months. Um, loved, uh, rejuvenated, rest, content, and excited. Very good. Taylor. I'm going to say, um, Thankful, present, well. I think I my friends are asking. I just recently turned twenty, and my friends are asking me about like, um, what do you want to focus on this year? And it's just like moving my body out of like thankfulness and joy, and like being mm. thankful that I can move. So I think there's a lot that's that well component. Yeah. Um, the fourth one would be challenged, mm. and then the fifth one would be joyful. Okay. All right. Ellie. Loved slash seen slash heard. Mm. You know. yeah, yeah. Um, healthy mind and body, um, mm. connected, like making memories with people, mm. embracing the unknown and open-minded. Mm. Good. Mm. All right. Eileen, bring it home. So I, I kind of focused on the word R and I'm not really sure why, but I, <laughs> I could recharge, okay. reduce in that meaning, reduce, um, distractions. Maybe mm. even I feel like I, I scroll a lot on social media. Yeah. Reduce yeah. that time zapper for me. Right. Um, read more. Mm. I find that because of social media, I don't actually sit down and actually absorb a great book like I used to love to do. Yeah. Um, and then, so that's three. Also um, on that reduce was also just getting, I, I function really well in a uncluttered environment. So that reduce would be to just go through the house and maybe get rid of some things that just are taking up space in, in more ways than one. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the last one is adventures with my daughters. I, that's what I'm missing. We had we, we used to be able to have the freedom of just hopping in the car and going seeing Ellie and staying with her. And now we we, we have to ask more questions. Is it safe? Is it you know a good time to for you guys with Tony? And so that's what I'm looking for: adventures with my daughters. Yeah, very good. Thank you so much, ladies. This was so fun. And I really enjoyed getting to hear from you on these topics that you don't normally just sit down and talk about out of the blue if you run into someone. So I really appreciate your time and energy. Um, podcast audience, like I said, check out the sources doc and um, show notes to learn more about each one of these wonderful women and um, follow us at Embracing Layers on Instagram. And um, yeah, you're welcome that you got to meet them audience. So <laughs> I get to some, an example of more great people in my life that I get to know. So thanks so much for joining us and have a great week. Thank you, baby.